What's up everyone, this is Don Suave. First and foremost, I'd appreciate everyone for viewing my video. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, and also comment. Also hit that notification button below as well. Alright, let's get on with the show. I'm so disrespectful. So, so, so disrespectful. I'm so disrespectful. So, so, so disrespectful. It used to wash its clothes in the ocean because it caused too many tsunamis. Here is Don Suave. Yo, yo, what's good, everybody? This is Don Suave back with another one for y'all. So make sure to like, share, subscribe to the YouTube channel broadcast of the seven cities and make sure to subscribe to the podcast so disrespectful radio show and before i start the show i'm gonna start with this quote right here and this comes from bb king which states the beautiful thing about learning is nobody can take it away from you and once again when we start the show we're gonna start with a recap of week nine we're gonna do a little talk about some news that's happening and we're gonna start with some week then we're gonna go to the week 10 picks and then we're gonna go on with the show you know what I'm saying? You know, so not to keep y'all waiting, we're going to start by recapping the show right about now. So we are on Thursday, we had the Philadelphia Eagles taking on the Houston Texans. The Eagles win the game 29-17. to Starting on Sunday, the Chargers beat the Falcons 20-17. to Dolphins get their sixth victory, and they beat the Bears in a good game too, 35-32. to Next, the Bengals showed why they were Super Bowl contenders last year as they beat the Carolina Panthers 42-21. Then, the Lions, the Detroit Lions, ladies and gentlemen, beat the Green Bay Packers, led by Aaron Rodgers. This, you know, this Aaron Rodgers, you know, MVP Aaron Rodgers, all that quote-unquote GOAT conversation. Yeah, they beat them 15-9. Next game, we had the New England Patriots take on the Indianapolis Colts. The Patriots, I mean, they walked out with a win, 26-3. Next. And this game wasn't really shocking and that much, but, you know, like I said, this, this NFL season has been different, so, you know, it's any given Sunday. And it showed the New York Jets beat the Buffalo Bills 20-17. Next, we had the Minnesota Vikings beat the Washington Commanders 20-17. Next, the Jacksonville Jaguars beat the Las Vegas Raiders 27-20. And next, we had the Seattle Seahawks beat the Arizona Cardinals 31-21. The Buccaneers beat the Los Angeles Rams 16-13. Then Sunday night game, we had the Kansas City Chiefs beat the Tennessee Titans 20-17. And on Monday night, the Baltimore Ravens get their sixth win as they beat the New Orleans Saints 27 to 13. So after the week now recap, we're gonna start with some news. Now, first news is this: we have our first head coach firing, and it is kind of shocking, and not at the same time. I'm talking about Frank Wright, the former coach of the Indianapolis Colts, who had a career record of 40, 33, and one, and in five seasons, been to the playoffs twice. But in this season, his record was three, five, and one being fired with eight games left in the season. Now, we can speculate that the firing came due to the offense struggles, but let's look at the facts. The Matt Ryan experiment was bad, like terrible, like garbage. Through nine weeks, 
They've had the worst scoring offense in NFL. The running game with last year's MVP nominee Jonathan Taylor is the third lowest in the league with 86.7 yards per game. Oh, we're not done yet. The Colts ties the league in turnovers with 17 and allowed 35 sacks, which is a league high. Unbelievable. Even when the coach bench Matt Ryan for Sam Ellinger, who is younger and more mobile, he just got sacked nine times by the Patriots. Nothing's working. So, of course, who gets the blame? You guessed it. You was right. Mm-hmm. You're right. The head coach. Honestly, this wasn't the whole reason this had um, to change. It's been compiled for some seasons now. Let's go, let's go a little deeper than that. In 2018, Angelo was hit multiple times because, oh, you guessed it, offensive line was trash. So once again, injuries upon injuries happened to Angelo. Then he retired. Here comes Jacoby Bissett. Here comes Phillip Rivers. Here comes Carson Wentz. And now Matt Ryan. So instability at the quarterback position was another issue for Frank Wright. And it just, you know, it seemed like you went for the big name instead of either trying to build up a quarterback or a young quarterback. But, hey, it is what it is. Now, that was a part of the firing that wasn't surprising. But midseason is the surprising part. Because the coach haven't fired a coach in midseason since 1991 when Ron Myers went 0-5 to start. Now, interim head coach and former coach player Jeff Saturday takes over the head coach position, and in his press conference, he made sure to let people know that he has confidence in himself. Here's the deal. Everybody talks about my, I'm completely comfortable in who I am as a man, bro. I know I can lead men. I know I know the game of football and I'm passionate about it. I have no fear about, are you as qualified as somebody else, bro? I spent 14 years in a locker room. I went to playoffs 12 times. I had I got five dudes in the Hall of Fame that I play with. You don't think I've seen greatness? You don't think I've seen how people prepare, how they coach, how they GM, how they work? I mean, one Super Bowl's been to two. Like, here's the deal, man. None of us are promised a good job. I may be terrible at this. And after eight games, I'll say, God bless you. I am no good. I may be really good at it. I got no idea. But I dang sure ain't going to back down. I can tell you that. One thing I have noticed in the NFL is that sometimes that rah-rah talk doesn't work all the time. Like you would see in college, because you're talking to grown men instead of college kids. So in this league, even on just Saturday, talk like you want to run through a wall. Only time would tell. He said if at the end, if he's a good um, good term coach, or never again be a head coach, if he's a terrible coach. And I know there's a lot of people saying that you know got issues with it, like Bill Carr was on um, NFL today talking about how. It's just it's a travesty of head coaching. Hey, and I know there's, there's plenty of plenty of uh, head coaches that deserve jobs. Heck, there are plenty of players that deserve jobs. And it's my show. I can't get fired from my own show. So I'm going to say it. Colin Kaepernick deserved a job long time ago. I could do a whole segment of why he deserve a job. But you got guys in the NFL who play quarterback and can't play quarterback for a high school team, but they're in the NFL. 
They could play quarterback for a rec team, but the NFL. And I don't want to hear that crap talking about, well, they're in the NFL, so they had to be good. No. Because sometimes it's not what you know, but who you know. It's not what you say, it's how you say it. Let's, let's, let's be clear on that. I can say this. My show, so disrespectful, radio show, owned by me, Don Suave, and Colin Kaepernick deserved a job a long time ago. And it's sad that he still doesn't have a job. Even on his age, he still should have had a job. Now let's move on. So now, there's a story right now about Aaron Rodgers appreciating his 12 seasons with Mike McCarthy as the Green Bay Packers coach. Mike McCarthy, who is now the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, will be returning to Lambeau Field for the first time against his former team. In a recent interview with Aaron Rodgers, he stated, and I quote, I think as time goes by, the gratitude for what time as you look back on the journey of your career goes up a little bit. I appreciate the little things a little bit more because, really, this game in life is about the journey. I'll always be tied with him because of the connection we had in the years we spent together. Obviously, my longest tenure coach, my longest tenure play caller, I'm thankful for the years and thankful for maybe a little bit more now that the years go by. Hmm. It's funny in those years, Aaron Rodgers won his first two NFL MVPs and won a Super Bowl as well. Look, we can call a spade a spade. Aaron Rodgers is a prima donna, just like Tom Brady. It is what it is. Like in 2017, when Rodgers wasn't consulted about the fireman's quarterback coach, Alex Van Pelt, and criticized the offense and play calling in 2018. After they gave Buffalo a donut score of 22 to 0. Now let's look at what's going on with Aaron Rodgers. Now, he doesn't have nothing. Guess what? Play calls getting questioned again. I guess Aaron Rodgers is now in it's basically like the Tyler Perry movie and when and why I get married. I guess my McCarthy was under the 80-20 rule. Yeah. You never know uh, what you had till it's gone. You should apologize to my McCarthy. But coming up after the break, we're going to have our NFL picks for week 10. Stay tuned. You're listening to the So Disrespectful radio show. Do you care enough about your solar to keep it safe from fire? It cares for you. So have it serviced every two years by a licensed electrician and show your solar some love. Learn more at esv.vic.gov.au. Authorised by the Victorian Government, Melbourne. He can charge a cell phone by rubbing it between his hands. Here is Don Suave. Welcome back to the show, everyone. And like I said, now we're going to do our week 10 picks. And this, you know, is getting close to the uh, end of the season. So we're around the halfway mark. So, not to further ado, let's go ahead and start right now. We got the Atlanta Falcons taking on the Carolina Panthers. I got Atlanta Falcons winning that game. Tampa Bay against the Seahawks. I got Tampa winning that one. Buffalo against Minnesota, which was probably going to be a really great game. And I got Buffalo taking that. Detroit versus Chicago. This is a love, kind of a love thing for Detroit. You know, it's, I should have watched Hard Knocks. But just so it is, I'm going to take Detroit over that. Tennessee versus Denver. I don't give a 
uh, I, I don't care all the let's ride, let's scoot, let's walk, let's move, whatever let's thing that Russell Wilson want to talk about. I'm taking the Tennessee Titans to win that one. Kansas City and Jacksonville. Do I really need to get a reason? We just say Chiefs. Miami and Cleveland. As shocking as it is for a lot of people, Miami is a really good team. And for that reason, I'm taking Miami. The Giants and the Texans. Now, don't get me wrong. For, for the past couple weeks, the Texans has been giving the NFC East, you know, some, some, some games. You know, last week before this, they played against the Eagles, and it came down to the fourth quarter for them to, to you know, to pull away. But before that, it was basically one of them back and forth type of games. Same thing might go with the Giants, but I just, but I'm still picking the Giants to win that one. Pittsburgh, New Orleans. I mean, both teams seem kind of suspect, but it's just the nostalgia of Pittsburgh, so I'm going to take them. The Raiders versus the Colts. I ain't on it for I talk. I'm just gonna pick the Raiders. Dallas versus Green Bay. Once again, ain't no no reason to talk. Ain't nobody got time for that. We're picking Dallas. The Rams versus the Cardinals, where it's word that the the quarterbacks of both teams would not be playing. And just for that, I'm going with the Cardinals because to me the Cardinals got way better defense. I mean, excuse me, that's the Cardinals. Excuse me, the Rams. Because Rams got better defense than the Cardinals. And besides, Rams is a defending champion, so. <laughs> San Francisco's and the Chargers. Uh, this is really a toss-up game because both of these teams is good. But I think San Francisco may have a little bit of a better offense than the Chargers. So for that reason, I'm going to go with the Chargers. And on Monday night, the Philadelphia Eagles and the Washington Commanders. I got the Eagles winning that game. Yeah. Well, coming up after the break, we're going to transition to another sport league. We're talking about the National Basketball Association. We're going to talk about some standards and some surprising news that have happened over this past week. Stay tuned. You're listening to the So Disrespectful Radio Show. He knows how to clap with only one hand. Here is Don Suave. Welcome back to the show, one. I want to thank everyone for tuning in. And now that we took care of the NFL, we're going to transition to the NBA. Just like how the NFL is, like I tell uh, all the time that it's different, NBA ain't too far back. Let me, let me, let me, just, let me start off in the Eastern Conference. Milwaukee Bucks is leading Edison Conference 10 to 2 with their record. We didn't understand that. That's typical. I mean, they got Giannis, Greek Freak, MVP. I mean, the man's big unstoppable. Let that guy. He got it. No, no, okay, let me say this like this. He can shoot. I mean, he ain't an elite shooter. He can shoot if necessary. But everyone knows Giannis' game is the inside. He runs up, he drives in, uses strength. Uses lift, uses footwork. He's an inside guy. You know, we call that basically the 80s and 90s ball. You know what I'm saying? That's why a lot of teams nowadays, you know, if you have someone that can drive, 
they don't know how to stop it because everyone now is so finesse, you know. They got their, they got their, their nails, their nails colored and everything. Everybody's so finesse now. It's no more of the going to the basket, back them down, hit them hard, going up. Because nowadays, if you try a lot of that stuff, you know what I'm saying, you ain't going to get called a foul. You know, it's a cupcake league, like a lot of players say. Okay, let's, let's, let's move on. The Celtics are 10-3. Not surprising. Once again, they were in the NBA Finals last year against the Warriors. Here's the surprising part, though. LeBron's former team, the Cleveland Cavaliers, is number three. Now, it's surprising because, one, if LeBron won't, is not there, a lot of people say, well, Cleveland Cavaliers ain't going to do nothing. They're never going to be nothing anyway. But if you look at their team now, they got a good number of pieces around them. I mean, they got they just picked up Spider, so they got uh, Donovan Mitchell, they got Jared Allen, they got Garland. So a couple of young pieces they got, you know, they look like okay, they look like they can do a little something. Next is the Atlanta Hawks, eight and five. Once again, I would say that's not really shocking because the team got good pieces as well. A lot of young good pieces, Trey Young, John Collins, all that good stuff. Here where it gets a little shocking. <laughs> the Washington Wizards. Let's be real. And, and don't lie. Let's, let's, be, let's keep on. Let's, let's, let's talk, fam. What would you ever expect the Washington Wizards to actually be doing something? I mean, yeah, granted, they got Bradley Beal, which is cool. But y'all really expect the Washington Wizards to do something this year? Well, so far, they're number fifth. They're the fifth team in the Eastern Conference, sitting at 7 and 6. So, okay. You got this Toronto Raptors 7-7. Seven seven. The Pacers 6-6. Six six. And you got Chicago Bulls tied with four ways with the Brooklyn Nets, Brook, uh, New York Knicks, Philadelphia 76ers, and the Miami Heat. All at 6-7. Six okay. So at that point, you're looking like, huh, it's shocking, but at the same time, it's not really. Now, let's go to the shocking. <laughs> let's travel to the Western Conference. The top team in the Western Conference is the Utah Jazz, who has no All-Stars on their team. I mean, they got most of a pistol, get me wrong, because they traded away the two of their biggest stars, which is Rudy Goldberg and Donovan Mitchell. But what does that say that these player that don't have no also on this team don't have no marquee name is the top team in the Western Conference could we see now I, I mean hey it's still time to do a little bit of a uh, prediction a little bit of time to do over exaggeration but could this team be the new Detroit Pistons the team that won the championship and beat the Lakers that had no all-stars in that team I mean, they had good, don't get me wrong, they had good players, and they got, well, now, you recognize as Hall of Famers, but back then, they were known as a good defensive team. Ben Wallace, Rasheed, Taysom, um, Tyson Prince, Rip Hamilton, Chauncey Billups. But honestly, no one really thought of them to be champions until they beat the Lakers that year. And you know, well, we don't want to talk about that because Everyone can go look at go on Hulu, look at the Lakers dynasty. You, you can find a story about, about that. Next is the Memphis Grizzlies. This is not shocking. John Morant is a star. 
Bonafide star. Highly filmed. So, it's not shocking. Steven Adams at the center. Nice center. Defensive dude. Anchor. Does his job. And they got other pieces there that's good too. The Blazers. You know what the worst thing about the Trailblazers is? It's like... You really don't care for them sometimes, as as sometimes basketball people, but you just want them to do good. And the only reason is because of Dam Damian Lillard. As a basketball fan, NBA fan, and a bunch of fans too will say this: we love Damian Lillard, Dame Dollar, four you know four ball dollars, you know all the nicknames you get. You, we love him because even at his height, even though he has right now, he is a dog. He remind you. And maybe I'm kind of biased because I'm from the seven cities. He does remind you of an Allen Iverson. That they'll look at you and be like, man, your size, you know, you what you even doing? You, you ain't gonna do nothing. But that size of you and that heart and that fight is what is what makes you love, what makes you fear at times. Allen Iverson was feared. Even at six foot, six foot one on a good day. A.O. was known as a bar known one of the best players of all time. And no one and you look at it like this, like you look at nowadays, you like guys at 6'6, 6'7, 6'8. And you tell me at six foot, six foot one, two guard is gonna put fear in people's You would look like, man, come on now. Get that out of here. But he did. And that's how I look at Dane Lillard. The next team is the Suns. I mean, they still got Devin Booker, still got CP, was Chris Paul. They got Aiden, so it's no shocking. That team is is good. The Denver Nuggets is next with eight and four. You know, like I said, with them, it's no shocking. Now you know the couple years ago when, that, when Jamal Murray was hurt, a lot of people thought that the only reason Denver was out to play was because Murray wasn't there. Now that Murray is here and they still got Jokic, who's considered top two best center in the league, I mean it's not shocking at all. And then you got the Mavericks sitting at seven and five. One word, Luca. That's it. Then you got the Pelican at seven and six. The Clippers at seven and six. Here's what gets shocking. The worst team possible in the NBA is a team. Now we're not gonna talk about the Rockets because the Rockets got they got young people. They, they, you know they they're in a rebuild or whatever you want to call it here. So. They were like one of those teams you were like, well, no one even thought they were gonna do anything. The Los Angeles Lakers <laughs> has Anthony Davis that when he's healthy, he's a top ten player. Russell Westbrook is a triple double guy. And for a lot of people say a first ballot Hall of Fame. LeBron King James. Who's considered the GOAT in a lot of people's eyes. Who's, you know, is always debatable. Even though, you know, that, that debate of the GOAT can happen a lot of times. You know what I'm saying? You know, so many people talk about uh, it. It gets tiring. But LeBron is still, still doing work at 37. He's still driving. You know what I'm saying? His shooting's gotten horrible this year. But, you know, they still have three pieces. They still got a new head coach, Darvin Ham, who's a defensive head coach. But ultimately, this team sucks. They stink. They wretched. They're terrible. Like, 
looking at the Lakers is like looking at drive tank. It's almost like what how y'all got all this stuff going on with y'all? Y'all only managed to win two games yet. And honestly, y'all no one see y'all going to be in the playoffs, being a little stupid play-in crap, which I seriously I cannot stand that play-in crap because if you're not in the top eight, you don't make it to the playoffs. Now I know people are like, well, whatever they tie, let's say the three-way tie with the eighth. Okay, who got the most wins? As in for the conference. Point. That's it's called analytics. I mean, you we can't try to please everyone. Because when you try to please everyone, someone's gonna get mad anyway. So just stick to what it was. But once again, the Lakers is horrible. They are uh, uh this is it, let's just say it's a long far cry from the days of the Showtime, the Kobe and Shaq era, the Kobe, Paul Gasol, and Andrew Bottom era. And then honestly, no one really looks at the bubble of the championship. That's why they call it the bubble championship. No one really listens to that. Because that bubble was like on some like, okay, we just gotta we just got to play NBA. Let's get it done so we can go ahead and go. I mean Eventually, everybody's gonna say, you know, 20, maybe 15, 20 years later down the line, they do the, do the recap of history. They won't say the bubble championship. But as in 2022, every time we say the Lakers won a championship, what we say? It's the bubble championship. Now, we'll go to the next news, which is, and it's, a, it's very, very sad, honestly. Dwight Howard. You know, just a, just a couple years ago, this man was looking like. I'm not gonna say like the old Dwight Howard, but he was looking like a guy who's literally changed his life to be a better player. And he accepted his role. And all the stigma that people had on him, which was dumb, it looked like he, it, all that narrative was changing. But apparently, it didn't change enough. Cause now his next basketball home is overseas. The eight-time All-Star Big Man announced Monday night that he has signed to play with the Taiwan Leopards, which is the professional team in Taiwan. What? Dwight Howard, who turns 37 next month, was a free agent after spending the last season with the Lakers, averaging 6.2 points, 5.9 rebounds, and 16.2 minutes per game. Remember, he was the first overall pick at 04, right? And he spent 18 years in the league. Listen to this. He has a career average of 15.7 points, 11.8 rebounds, and almost two blocks a, le a year. <sighs> the Lebers play in Taiwan's T1 league. And why hearing the story is really upset to me because Dwight Howard was also snubbed for the 75 year best player in the NBA. And now he's in the foreign league for what? Are you telling me right now that 30 NBA teams can't use Dwight Howard? Who even at 37 still can do some type of numbers, but keeps certain players who aren't averaging three points. Child, please. Child, please. Child, please. Now we go to our next story, which is the new Brooklyn Nets coach, Jack Vaughn. Not in Madoka, which a lot of people thought, but Jack Vaughn has now taken over the head coaching duties from former head coach Steve Nash. 
Now, I don't know if it's going to make a difference or not, but it seems like maybe something because on Wednesday night, the Nets destroyed the New York Knicks, 112-85. And numerous players and certain team personnel seemed good with Vaughn. And why not? He had been an assistant coach for seven years. This past Wednesday, his interim title became full-time coach. So Vaughn has a win in his column, and now the Nets are what they are. So once again, the season is early. It is. And we're going to see if the Nets be the team that many people thought they were going to be. Or who we thought they were. But they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. <laughs> All right. So coming after the break is a segment called Clapback. And we got two fans who's going to speak about the upcoming game. So stay tuned, y'all. You're listening to the So Disrespectful radio show. The ultimate writing experience takes on a different form for each of us. Those who've cracked the code all have one thing in common. Discover why thousands of writers are choosing Foresight. Secure your Mark 1S build slot today. He used to be up his shadow because it was costly too close. Now it stands a safe 30 feet behind him. Here is Don Suave. Yo, yo, welcome back to the show. And this actually, I've been getting a lot of uh, messages and DMs about this segment, which is, I, I take it as a lot of people like this. So, well, this is one reason why I started this and I wanted to do this because I always want to say I want to give everybody a chance to eat. I want everybody to have something. You know, a lot of people didn't go to school for being a broadcaster like I did, like others did. A lot of people have, don't got the English degrees, but we're still fan fanatic and we love a sport. So in this segment that I call Clapback, is when I let fans give a chance to give their analysis on the, on the team, on the league, or whatever. So this week, we got two. And for the first part, we're going to have Lorenzo Hicks, a.k.a. Zoman, discuss the San Francisco 49ers. So, Zo, take it away. Yo, 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 this is your man Zoman with the San Francisco 49ers report. A little bit of good news and bad news. First with the bad news. Cornerback Jace Ferret tore his ACL practice today. Non-contact injury. He will be out for the season again. The guy can't get a break. On the good side, Debo, Greenlaw, Trent Williams, Aaron Banks, Jimmy Ward, Cal Kazuski, I can't ever say his name right, and Jawan Jennings are all back in practice. So that means for the Sunday night game against the Chargers, the 49ers will at least have some full power. Now, my personal preference, since I'm a 49ers fan, I'm going to say the 49ers is going to win. The reason I say that, though, is because the defense it played very well against the Rams last two weeks ago. And also with Debo, Jimmy playing the way he's playing, and also McCaffrey, you can't go wrong with this team. I'm going to say 49ers win this game 27 to 14 and that is your 49ers report from your man Zoman. catch you again thank you for that analysis Zoman. next we're gonna have to turn it on down to the down south 
of the Dallas Cowboys. And this is coming from Bruce Howard. And he's going to speak about the Dallas Cowboys and the game against the Green Bay Packers and also give us other information. So, Mr. Howard, take it away. Week 10, NFC matchup of the week. We have the 6-2 Dallas Cowboys versus the 3-6 Green Bay Packers. The Green Bay Packers are currently on a five-game losing streak and expect that to go to six with the Dallas Cowboys defense coming in rolling hot, leading the league with 33 sacks and an extremely strong secondary. The Green Bay Packers are pretty beat up and will be without wide receiver Romeo Dows and cornerback Eric Stokes. The list of injuries for the Green Bay Packers go from Aaron Rodgers down to the kicker Crosby. The Dallas Cowboys will be without middle linebacker Anthony Barr and tight end Jake Ferguson. I still expect this to be a low scoring affair with the Cowboys winning 24-14. Expect the Cowboys to rely heavily on their running game and play action from Dak Prescott. Thank you for that analysis, Mr. Howard. And there you go, y'all. Like I said, anybody can do it. So if you listen to this right now, if you want to do an analysis, if you want to say something, whether it's NFL, NBA, or whatever, you just see, we had Zoban do San Francisco. We had Bruce do the Dallas Cowboys. A couple weeks before that, we had Jay Serrano do the Jets and uh, excuse me, the, the Jets and the Giants analysts. A week before that, we had Adam Pintet do the NHL report. Like I said before, this is a clapback. I give y'all the mic. And y'all run with it. So coming up after the break, it's time for the Take Command news from the Washington Commanders. Stay here. You're listening to the So Disrespectful radio show. Are you ready? St. Joseph's University, New York, offers more than 25 online undergraduate, graduate, and certificate programs, so you'll be ready for what's next. Visit sjny.edu forward slash online. Ready. Sat Joe's. He once made a happy meal cry. Here is Dasuave. Welcome back, everybody. This segment is the Take Command Washington Commanders News segment. Now, this past weekend, the Commanders played the Minnesota Vikings and the return of Kirk Cousins. This game had three emotions. The first emotion was, then, but finished with, yeah, let me detail because those emotions happened starting in the first quarter. Kirk Cousins was literally perfect throwing the pass all around. Which ended a nine with a nine-yard pass touchdown from Kirk to Justin Jefferson. Like I said, seeing Kirk Cousins throwing it around, seeing Jefferson Jefferson being that elite receiver, having it weight just brings it out that emotions. But Washington did battle back in the second quarter with field goal to end of the half, and in the third quarter is when that second emotion hit because another pass like J.P. Finley says who is one of the Washington writers and reporters, YOLO pass. For ladies and gentlemen, that means you only live once. Kind of coined by Drake. 
But it happened when he was covered by three corners. Curtis Samuel caught a 49-yard pass for a touchdown. And in the fourth, threw another touchdown to Dash Mill for six yards. And the score was 17-7. Now listen to this, y'all. So I was at Eagles Nest on Sunday, in which you can catch me there from 12 to 4 for ESPN Radio 94.1. And the excitement from Washington fans was contagious. But when I left to come home, I heard some bad news. And then it's the last emotions that we talked about. Minnesota drove down to get a field goal for 25 yards to trim the score to 17-10. Then later, a 12-yard pass to Dalvin Cook to tie up the game. And after a costly interception, a field goal was kicked with just 12 seconds left in the game. Minnesota scored 13 unanswered points in the fourth quarter to win the game. <sighs> Sorry, just get a little emotional sometimes. But when you review the game, besides that touchdown drive, Washington played great defense. Dalvin Cook only had 47 yards on 17 carries. Once again, the defensive philosophy of the commanders, which is bend, 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 but don't break, it was working until the fourth quarter on the touchdown drive. And then on the offense side, Washington was running the ball efficiently. They ran the ball 30 times for 137 yards. And two of the running backs, Brian Robinson Jr. and Antonio Gibson, both each ran for more than 10 carries for decent running yards. Now, Washington has their biggest challenge to date this upcoming Monday with the undefeated rival of the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, I'm not going to lie. As much of a fan I am of this team, I know for a fact that winning is a miracle for the Commanders. Jalen Hurts is playing like an MVP quarterback. They can run the ball with the best of them. And, well, we all seen what A.J. Brown did to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Even though the Texans game was a back-and-forth game until ultimately getting the victory, yeah, I don't see Washington winning this one. Now, as far as a, the game itself, well... I believe it could be good. I believe it could possibly maybe, you know, come down to a wire. Possibly. But that's what my heart said. My mind? The final score will be 24-13. I mean, it seems like playing the Eagles is almost we're going to lose because of what they're doing, what we're doing, and how the season for both teams are going. So basically, in the words of Neo, it was inevitable. Yeah, can't stop it. But coming up after the after, coming up next after this break, I've heard this question so many times from other fans, fans itself, other commanders, analysts, broadcasters. Well. We're going to answer that question, and it does, with, deal, does deal with Taylor Heineke. Stay tuned to know what that question is. You're listening to the So Disrespectful radio show. I really liked your presentation today. Maybe you should show it to Jerry. His wife is also a Libra. Oh, my goodness. Help me. Hard water speeds up the aging of your home's pipes. We can help. If there's any delay, it's you we pay. He doesn't like climbing trees. Instead, 
he just pushes him over and walks on him. Here is Don Suave. Yo, yo, welcome back. So, story time. While I was at work, and we were all talking about Heineke, the one question that comes up from fans, broadcasters, and analysts is, why do fans love Heineke so much when he's an average quarterback at best? Okay. Here's the reason or reasons. And it may sound dumb, but hey, it's not like, it's not that he's a certified winner because he's not. He wins, but he's not like a person you say, oh, he can win by nine, ten games. He's not a certified passer, which means, you know, he ain't that type of person like, they can fit in between those those certain players or so a quarterback that can fit it through tight windows almost in a basket in the hands of receivers. He's not a certified elite, meaning you know you you will hear him with the Josh Allen, the Patrick Mahomes, the you know, all those elite quarterbacks you hear. But you like him and respect him because you know that Heineken would give it his all. Yeah, at times he may force passes. Yeah, he may tuck and run when it's when he possibly has a person open. But his grit and toughness and his willingness to do whatever, even throw, once again, his quote-unquote YOLO passes to receivers. And so far, it has been working just for that one exception. Well, I would give the second exception one toward the Green Bay because the running back was falling out, but it wasn't really a, a YOLO. It was like one of those ill-directed passes. Another reason why we love, as fans, love Heineke is that he gives receivers chances or find ways to get, get them chances. For example, this year, Terry McClellan has been quiet, but in the past three games that, that Heineke was playing, we have all seen a side of him, and it's great. I mean, I know y'all seen him when before when he was talking at the press conference. He had his hoodie over his head. Yeah, we just we got to play good. You know, we just got to do good. It's, you know, we just one game of time. We're still a team. And, you know, we got to trust each other and all that stuff. But, but you look on the field, though, and you'll see his demeanor is something different. Insert Heineke. Heineke has thrown this man passes upon passes. Even throwing passes where you'll be looking like, oh my God, this is about to be an intercession. This, why is he throwing it to Terry? And it's like Terry loves those moments because he's showing people like, wait a minute, hold on. I I, I could be, I'm a good, I'm a great receiver myself. And at times he will catch the, the, the pass against uh, Stephen Gilmore in Indianapolis. They both came, it was coming out with the ball. What Terry do? Ripped it out of his hand. Got the first down. Let everyone know who he is. The game against Green Bay. Taylor threw a pass. And ja I think it was Jair Alexander was on him. Like, on him. Terry still caught the pass. Got up. Looked at him. And then goes to the sideline. And you look on Washington Command and social media. Look at Twitter. Look at all these social media that had, uh, had Terry. What's he doing? Helmet off again. Boy, that man need to show his face. Helmet off. Pushing Terry, uh, Taylor Heineke. Congratulate him. Going in the sidelines yelling in G-rated version. 
You can't guard me. So, it just feels like players respond to Taylor more than Carson. Look at some of the players at the interviews. He's a baller. He got that dog in him. I mean, I can't really remember when they had said anything about Carson. So as much as fans want to say things about Taylor, the players and the staff, they kind of like him. Yeah, Taylor, they give him a headache. But at the same time, you know for a fact, that guy, number four for the Washington Commanders, he ain't going to take the game and just put it to the back burner. He's going to put his all like he. It's almost like Taylor's is the, this may be my last day playing type player. And I got to do whatever to, do, to, to stay on this field. So, even though Taylor is basically, I consider him the people's champion, I believe he needs to be built up more. And play calling needs to also be better, too. Heineke is not tall, y'all. But that didn't stop guys like Drew Brees, guys like Kyler Murray, guys like Russell Wilson, guys like Doug Flutie, that... Yeah, they're not six foot two, six three, six five, six six, and all that stuff. No, they need a five foot eight, five foot nine, maybe five foot ten, or so around the area. So, Heineken's not tall, and he doesn't throw the overhead. Sometimes he'll throw mid, he may even throw sideways, but because it's height, that. I mean, there needs to be plays where he can at least get a clear window to throw. Because if he don't, here come tall defensive players just knocking them down. And they don't have to jump, honestly. Some quarterbacks, you know, you didn't throw over here. They have to leap in the air and jump to knock it down. Guys like Taylor Heineke, all you have to do is stick your arm up. You don't have to jump. You, you literally could just try to get to him. But if you know you can't get to him, you just back up. Put your arm up. Left hand up. All right hand up, and I'm not singing that song. We will see what happens in the Eagles Eagles game. And yes, Carson's eligible to come back in a couple of weeks. We're gonna see what's gonna happen. Is he gonna give him a fighting chance? Honestly, I believe as a Washington fan, Taylor will have to do something incredibly stupid, incredibly, incredibly dumb. I mean, just downright, he needs to get out of here type play, type game for Carson to come in. It's just, it's just is what it is. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Carson's boring. It's like you don't know what he's thinking. You don't know if he holds on the ball too long. And then because he's not mobile, he's a pocket passer. Everyone knows the Washington commander's offensive line is not that good. So, you know, I don't see how you can go back to him when he gets healthy. And like I said, like, unless, like I said before, Taylor just does something completely disastrous. But if he's keeping him in the game, throwing passes or scoring, field goal, anything of that nature, I don't see it. He needs to stay in. But then, at the end, but then this question comes. All season comes. Taylor Heineke stays in, even if Carson wins in the backfield. What's that say about offseason moves? You guys be the judge. Now, coming up after the break, 
We're going to wrap this thing up and we're going to get on. You're listening to the So Disrespectful radio show. I used up all the hot water. Hey, a little help? Get off my tank, Karen. I'm on a break. Any fish and water heaters waste time. We can help. If there's any delay, it's you we pay. The son needs sunglasses when he looks at it. Here is Don Suave. That's it for the show. I'd like to thank everybody who listened. Also, thank everybody who subscribed as well. Make sure for the other ones that's listening to subscribe to the YouTube channel, Broadcast of the Seven Cities. Like, share, subscribe, even comment as well. Also, subscribe to the podcast show, So Disrespectful Radio Show. So, until next time, stay blessed, stay good, and stay lifted. Peace. I'm so disrespectful. So, so, so disrespectful. I'm so disrespectful. So, so, so disrespectful.